The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. your first day. I'm, I'm sorry, we, we've, we've been going since December with this. Uh, you might just have to look up online to, if you want to find out some of the other Psalms and the other things we've discovered as we've gone through. But today we'll finish off and Psalm 40 comes towards the end of Book 1, uh, just before the final Psalm of Book 1. Uh, and as I've mentioned previously, often Psalms are grouped together. Uh, Psalm 40 is no different. You may want to go back and read from Psalm 38 and, and follow that through in your own time. Let's uh, open now to Psalm 40. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. To the choir master, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than human told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. 
that those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who have, sorry, may those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your spirit who inspired these words. We thank you that that same spirit is our teacher. We ask that through your spirit you'll help us to understand that is applies to us today. As book one of the Psalter draws to a close, you might remember early on we mentioned that the different books had sort of relate to a different point in, in Israel's history. This book one is sort of related to the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. They talk a lot about what it looks like to be someone in the kingdom. So the questions that we would naturally ask, especially today as we come towards the close of book one, is what does the typical person of the kingdom look like? What should be their, their posture, their attitude, their, their way of life if they claim to follow the Lord as their God? They seek to be faithful to him. What does this person of the kingdom look like? Psalm 40 will show us, in consistency with what's gone before us already, it will show us three things that someone in the kingdom of God does, what they look like, what they posture. We'll notice that they wait for God, they trust in him. And they proclaim what he has done. They wait, they trust, they proclaim. We see this as we start in verses 1 to 5. The one who trusts in the Lord gives thanks. Notice what I did there, right at the start. David says, I waited patiently. Remember, this is how Psalm 27 finished when we went through that. Verse 13 and 14 of Psalm 27 has these words. It said, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So that there David saying, wait. Now in Psalm 40 he says, I waited when you're in the right place, you're willing to wait, aren't you? Whether it's a, a line-up, a queue or something like that, as long as you're in the right line, you're willing to wait. Or if you're in the, the doctor's surgery, you're willing to wait there because you know you're in the right place. You, you talk, you're unwell, you're waiting on test results. That is the place to be. So you're willing to wait. No matter how long it is past your appointment time, and you're still waiting. When you're in the right place, you're willing to wait. 
the psalmist knew that he was in the right place. Notice what he did. We've seen what I did. Now notice what he did. He, that is the Lord. He inclined his ear. He heard my cry. He drew me up. Set my feet. Put a new song in my mouth. There's a difference there, isn't there? What did I do? I waited patiently. What did the Lord do? Well, that's much longer, isn't it? One of the phrases there that might grab our attention is the pit of destruction or the, the miry bog. I don't know where your mind goes when you hear the words miry bog or pit of destruction. When I imagine being stuck in a miry bog, I picture being up to my waist in thick mud. The mud is thick enough that it, it holds my legs so I can't easily just walk through it. But it's also soft enough that I can't actually get any real purchase on it and push myself out. There's nothing I can do to save me from my situation. From this, David says, many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. When the Lord draws someone up out of the pit of destruction, out of that miry bog, then you will see that. And the result will be they'll put their trust in the Lord. These are words we might use to encourage and spur one another on, aren't they? The word trust is picked up in verse 4. It's paired with proclamation. What will I do now? I will proclaim. I'll proclaim my salvation, what he has done for me. There in verse 4, you'll also notice the word proud. That, that word became a nickname for Egypt. That Hebrew word became a nickname for Egypt. Which should, should serve to remind Israel how God has delivered his people in the past. When in the past, he inclined his ear and heard the cries of help in our enslaver in Egypt. And what did he do there? He lifted them out of their pits of destruction. He drew them out of their slavery. Then he set their feet on solid ground. They walked through the Red Sea on solid ground. He also put a new song in their mouth. A song of thanksgiving to replace the groans they had been uh, speaking and crying out while they were in slavery. Exodus 15 talks about this. In fact, we'll put some of the verses from Exodus 14 and 15 alongside where we are in Psalm 40. Psalm 40 says, we, Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Exodus 14, 31. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord 
and put their trust in Him and in Moses the servant. This isn't just something God's done for David, it's something He's done time and again for His people. You've multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Exodus 15, 11. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working one. Exodus 15 then records the song of praise that Moses and the Israelites sung to God, praising Him for what He had done for them in rescuing them. What He had done in turning and bringing them from slavery in Egypt to Him. Returning to the crowd or going astray after a lie does nothing to get you out of your pit. Does nothing to set your feet on a solid path. Does nothing to replace your groans of sorrow with songs of joy. Turning to the crowd cannot save. Oh, the Lord said. David's assertion in verses 1 to 5 is that when the one who puts their trust in the Lord looks back on their life, they will see a life full of God's wondrous deeds. Therefore, they can expect their future to be full of His wondrous plans and His thoughts towards us. To the posture and the attitude of the one who trusts in the Lord should be one of waiting, trusting, and proclaiming. It is a posture of dedication to God. And we see David's dedication to God, verses 16, uh, verses 16. The one who trusts in the Lord proclaims deliverance. Again, notice what the psalmist has done. I have come, or I have responded in obedience. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law, your law is within my hand. I have told the glad news of your deliverance. I've not restrained my lips. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love. David can't keep quiet of what the Lord has done for him. He proclaims his deliverance. He proclaims his salvation. David knows that God values the right attitude of of heart towards him, rather than simply going through the motions of religious rituals. Saul, who was David's predecessor as king of Israel, learned this the hard way. 
find in 1 Samuel 15, where Samuel comes to Saul and confronts him. He says to Saul, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Here in Psalm 40, David says, I get it. I've not just obeyed the rituals of God's law. I have taken his instruction to heart and allowed it to shape my character, to shape my posture, to shape my attitude. There's also some other interesting words in this section. David's comments about the scroll here are likely to be in reference to what is spelled out in Deuteronomy 17. Now, it stipulates that when a new king of Israel comes to power, he's to write down his own copy of the law on a scroll, and he's to keep that with him so that he can read it, be aware of it, and learn the laws of the Lord. He's then to lead Israel in following and doing the same. It's the role of the king. Verses 6 to 10. David saying, I have done what you have required me. You required of me as king. I hid your law in my heart so that I might follow it and lead Israel to do the same. That seems to be how these verses apply to David. However, I don't know about you, but there seems to be something a bit deeper going on here. Notice the language of verses 7 and 8. The writer to the Hebrews applies this to Jesus. He says that these words are fulfilled in Jesus. Hebrews 10, verses 5 to 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The writer to Hebrews applies this part of Psalm 40 to the Lord Jesus Christ. The sense is that there's something deeper going on here as David pens these words. But the sense that something deeper is at play is also evident in the word deliverance there in verses 7 and 8, uh, in verses 9 and 10. It also carries the meaning of salvation and righteousness. The New Testament speaks of Jesus as the salvation and righteousness 
of God. When Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple to present him before the Lord, we have this happening in verse 2. Simeon took him, that is Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a life for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And speaking of the good news of Jesus' atoning sacrifice for sin, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. These verses in Psalm 40 are speaking more than just what David has done. They're pointing to what the Messiah will do. And in the New Testament, we're shown that they are true of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is glad news for David, what the Lord has done for him. It is good news that we should proclaim as well. Good news of the righteousness of God, of our salvation, our deliverance through the Lord Jesus Christ. These words of, of David in the New Testament writers should be our words as well. They're words that we should proclaim. How has God heard your cry? Ask yourself. How has He lifted you out of your pit? How has He set your feet on a solid path? How has the Lord replaced your groans of suffering? with a song of thanksgiving and joy. It would be a great investment of your time to spend time considering these things, asking yourself these questions, and then writing it down. Put in a summary, something that's easy for you to remember, something you can use as personal Testament to proclaim to others what God has done for you. See, doing this will be more than just personal testimony that you can proclaim. It's also moments in life that you can put a bookmark in, friends. Memories of what God has done for you that will encourage you in the times when you find yourself in the miry bog once again. In moments in time, you can bring to mind 
we can encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Proclaiming again to those who already know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe that'll help them to, to wait and to trust in God. It's well worth our time, friends, to, to ask ourselves these questions. What has God done for me? Think about that in the summary and have it ready to proclaim to someone who doesn't know Jesus or to encourage someone who does. The, the next part, the, the final section of Psalm 40, David reveals something quite astonishing. Well, not really. Actually, no. If you've lived even slightly, you'll know that we can find ourselves in the pit again, can't we? It's not a one-time thing. Life brings stuff our way. David confesses here something that is true of us all. He says, you know what? I am poor and needy. And I will continue to need God to deliver me. But before David then fleshes that out, he once again declares why he trusts in God. Through what we might want to take home as our verse of the day. Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 40, verse 11. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever prevail. Because of who God has declared and shown himself to be in David's life, David concludes that the one who trusts in the Lord continues to trust in the Lord. Whether David's body situation is the result of his own indiscretions, as verses 12 and 13 might suggest, or whether it is the result of the actions of others, as verses 14 and 15 might indicate with a uh, let those sort of language, David continues to recognize himself for what he truly is. He's poor and needy. At times, that is true physically of David. At times, emotionally. But always, spiritually. Though he continues to recognize his circumstances for what they truly are. They're the consequences of human sin and the corruption of God's perfect creation as a result of human sin. David also continues to see God for who he truly is. God is mindful of David. He's also David's help and deliverer. Is that how you see these things? Do you recognize yourself and others as poor and needy at times physically? at times emotionally, 
but always spiritual. Do you recognize your circumstances as what they truly are, the consequences of human sin and the subsequent corruption of God's perfect creation? What about how you see God? Do you see Him for who He truly is? Do you see that He is mindful of you? Do you see that He is your help and your deliverance? The encouragement for us this morning, friends, is to see things for what they truly are. And as we do that, let's be encouraged to continue to wait for God, to trust in Him, and to claim what He has done. Let me pray. Our loving Lord and Heavenly Father, we led us through this first book of the Psalter. Lord, the way that you have shown us our need, our desperate need, time and time again, but the way you have also shown us that you are faithful. You are a loving God, powerful God, who is mindful of us. Those who are Father, it is true of us that we find ourselves poor and needy, sometimes in a physical sense, sometimes in an emotional sense, but always, Lord, we are always poor and needy spiritually, and that is what we need to be. Because, Father, you are faithful in love. You are mighty to save. And as the New Testament writers show us, you have done that through the coming of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as your salvation, as your righteousness, and that He is suffered and died so that we might know ever so clearly who you are and what you have done for us. That we might know that you love us and we might be able to respond in crying out to you, knowing that you are Lord, help us to be people of your kingdom. People who are devoted to you. Ones who are willing, although it's difficult, to wait on your perfect time. Lord, to trust in you. Lord, loosen our hearts. May we not keep silent. Use us, we pray, to proclaim the good news of 
who you are and what you have done for us, to those around us who do not know you, but also use that to proclaim it to those of us who do, to love one another in this way, to encourage one another and to spur one another on. We offer ourselves afresh to you this morning. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.